What does everybody want? I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. What does everybody need? Hi, folks. I hope you're having a good day today. And let me be the first to welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must note that I am not a doctor psychiatrist. If you're starting to diagnose with autism, please see a physician. I'll at least be some of my experiences. I'll start on right to the intro and outro. They were both found on YouTube. And I also have a mission statement. The mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the stigma off of autism and other conditions that may think are disabilities. People on the spectrum are not broken and do not need to be fixed. Those who have conditions or abilities do not want to be pitied. There's nothing to be sorry about. I also have one pain for the following. Steve Miller and Angel Shear, I appreciate your 100% support. One of the best tax preparation firms in the Bloomington, Indiana area. Steve Miller Tax Service offers quality tax preparation services. In spite of this, many tax returns are still being filed late. Generally, tax preparation services help you prepare the tax return. Thanks so much, Angel. There are also some people I'd like to thank. First, I'd like to thank Lonnie Bedwell and C-152. Here's your C, Don't Define Me by Lonnie Bedwell for more information. But what an awesome guy, and thank you for coming on the show. And Perry and Renee Fowler should be commended for organizing the special needs night. It was a day filled with hope and fun for these kids. Also, the voting for the Discover Pot Awards 2021 is now closed. Thanks for voting, and best of luck for me. I'd also like to thank Skip Daly for allowing me to assist with the media at Rival Showdown Pro Wrestling. Also, I want to thank all the amazing pro wrestlers and crew I talked to. You all have big hearts. Last but not least, I'd like to thank the two podcasts I was on. Mason Miles with Crohn's and Autism Advocate Podcast and CSY with the Autistic Me podcast. Listen to these podcasts now. And also now, folks, we'll be right back when we got here about Wellspring Pain Solutions. So let's get to it. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Glasscott from the Glass in the Afternoon radio program on News, Sports, Talk, 98.7 and AM 1370 and WGCLradio.com. And on behalf of Wellspring Pain Solutions, they're happy to partner with Sam Mitchell and the Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast. Wellspring Pain Solutions applauds Sam's mission statement to eliminate the stigma associated with autism. Here's what we want you to do. Check out the website, wellspringpainsolutions.com. You'll find out which of the four locations is closest to you. You'll get a chance to meet their team of providers and all the services offered at Wellspring. When you're there, now the fun really begins. You'll find the link to Sam's website where you'll find all his podcasts, background information on his guests, as well as all the merch in his merchandise store. You'll be amazed. You'll have fun. You'll enjoy it. All we ask you to do is take a listen and spread the word that autism rocks and rolls. All right, folks, we're back. I don't want you to be too nervous to meet these fine people. Well, my friends, we have another very big guest in the house of Autism Rocks and Rolls. I know I've been really looking forward to this interview. I met Al Snow in Bloomington, Indiana last month. I didn't even have to ask him to be on my show. He graciously volunteered, and he is here today. In the WWE, Al Snow created a gimmick of carrying a head around with him in his prime. This quickly caught on and allowed Snow to have a very amazing and long career in the WWE. In September this year, he could add a hero to his list of accomplishments, because while visiting Santa Rosa Beach in Destin, Florida, Snow jumped into the ocean and stayed a child from drowning. Please allow me to introduce my new friend, WWE six-time hardcore champion, one-time WWE tag team champion with my good friend Mick Foley, or Mankind, and is ranked in the top 500 singles wrestlers of all time, Mr. Al Snow. How are we doing, Al? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm awesome. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is you're obviously a hardcore wrestler, and that's kind of my favorite style of wrestling. So what made you choose to be a hardcore wrestler? Uh, just the opportunity was there and it presented itself and I tried to take advantage of it and, you know, capitalize on it as much as I possibly could. What did you like about wrestling the hard hardcore style? 
like taking all these crazy bumps and not like Mick Foley, obviously that's, that's something for a different story, but something like you, I guess. The thing I, I liked was the creativity. You know, I could use my imagination and I was not reined in by any type of particular constraints. You know, I was had pretty free reign and free will to do whatever I wanted, go wherever I wanted, interact with whoever I wanted during the match, just whatever I wanted to come up with. It was kind of free and total chaos to do it. So I really enjoyed that part of it more than I did anything else. That's awesome. How did it feel to win the hardcore championship for the first time? Oh, I was very, very proud and I was very uh, flattered and I was very excited to have that opportunity to represent the company and be given a title because when you're given a title, you know, you're given that to be, they consider you to be an attraction, to be a a draw, but something that the audience is going to want to come and watch and see defend that title. So, you know, it's very flattering. I was very, very proud of that moment. I bet you were very, and you got it six times. That's impressive too. Yeah, it was awesome to continue to get that opportunity and continue to have that chance to be creative and have fun. And man, I got to tell you, it was just, it was just a wonderful wonderful time in my career. Now, I also want to talk to you about you like being, you also have this weird, I looked online today. You don't, you don't think a jobber is what it is sometimes is the way to put it, but you kind of <laughs> were a jobber when you fought against the undertaker and all these other wrestlers back when it was called the WWF. So in reality, how did that make you feel when you were basically going to be a jobber for a little while? It don't bother me at all. I mean, and my opinion is not an opinion. It is what the actual term means. You know, people in the wrestling business these days assume that a jobber is just somebody who loses. Like if you lose, you do a job and that nothing could be further from the truth. It's called doing the favor because it's expected to be returned. A job or doing a, or being a job guy was a person back in the day, you weren't paid for TV or you were paid very minimal for TV when you wrestled on TV um, because it was considered an opportunity because you really made your money at the live events. And when anybody came in, case in point like myself back in, I think it might've been the early nineties, somewhere around in there, I came into WWF. I wasn't part of the territory. I wasn't part of the company. I was just brought in for those TVs. Hence, it was a job for me and I was paid accordingly. That's where the term to do the job or be a jobber or job guy came from. It's not that you lose. It's that you're being brought in, paid for the day to be there primarily just to enhance the other talent and nothing else. Did you take any like massive, like big bumps like pretty hard bumps when you were at that time frame when you were a jobber you know look i uh took bumps massive bumps i took big bumps whenever i needed to when the match called for it that was the way you do it you don't just take them to take them you take them to try to tell a story or to elicit more of a response from the audience i hear what would you say was your biggest bump my biggest i you know i have no idea they're all pretty painful (laughs) if they all None of them are really that enjoyable. Sometimes the size of them doesn't necessarily increase or necessarily decrease the pain that you suffer once you hit the mat. I also want to talk to you about your time in ECW. So how did it feel when you got called up to be in ECW? I was brought in there twice. First time I was brought in by Paul Heyman. The second time I was put on loan basically from WWF because I tried to quit and they rolled over my contract and weren't going to let me out. You know, the compromise because Paul Heyman was working with WWE unbeknownst to all of us 
to a degree. I was put on loan to ECW the second time. First time I was brought in by home, Paul was actually secretly working with WB at the time. At least that's what everybody says, which it's kind of been confirmed. And tried to quit because I had a bad attitude and I was blaming everybody else when I really should have been blaming myself for my frustrations. And fortunately was put on loan there. That was where I reinvigorated, reinvented and myself and got an opportunity to come back with to WWE. So worked out. Now, what's Paul Heyman like in real life? I'm curious about this. You know, he's a very good guy. He's a very passionate guy. But, you know, Paul, uh, his brain's running, you know, 100 miles an hour, 24 hours a day. And so Paul can also be a little disingenuous. You know, he can stretch the truth quite a bit. I understand. I I already like him for that now. I kind of do that myself sometimes. Do you? Yeah. Like sometimes I'll stretch the truth and be too honest. Yeah, we all do. Uh, Sometimes I I can't count on how many fingers though it's happened. (laughs) <laughs> None of us can. Now, I also want to talk to you about your head gimmick or your sure. when you carried the head. So where did that idea come from? At the time I was in WWF, perpetually I was supposed to be happy, but I was really pretty frustrated and had a bad attitude and not character-wise, just me personally, which was, was a mistake and didn't see the opportunities that I had and started acting, you know, like that frustration was starting to boil over in matches. And then when I went to ECW, I thought that I was trying to manifest or show that I was having a nervous breakdown. I was reading books on abnormal psychology and was trying different things to show that I would, had suffered a, a mental breakdown and happened upon a case study about a woman who had paranoid schizophrenia and had transference disorder, meaning she transferred her illness onto the NNM objects that she heard the voices from. So I thought it was fascinating. And one night after I had worked, wrestled great Sasuke, a Japanese wrestler in the arena, uh, we were backstage taking photos and for the Japanese magazines, I saw a styrofoam head and decided I would carry that to the ring and treat it as if it was alive and it was talking to me. So the head kind of represented mental health in a way. Yeah, it was a visual representation of the illness of the stress and frustration that I was under at the time. Yeah, I, I understand that. I mean, I think we all can use mannequin heads sometimes and carry it with us. Like you. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with it. And look, we all all have our crosses to bear. We all, you know, have our challenges. And sometimes you just need somebody to talk to. And some of the best people that I've ever spoken to are myself. (laughs) (laughs) I talk to myself all the time too, because it's, it's self-help as you say in your your book. It's a great conversation. It's what you know. You're the only person who knows yourself, really. You know your help. Yeah. And just be honest with yourself. That's the key. Just be honest with yourself. You can lie to whoever you want to lie to throughout the day. We all do. But never lie to yourself. Always be as blatantly honest with yourself as possible. Briefly, I want to talk about head cheese. Sure. Is it true that you came up with the name head cheese because Steve Blackman likes cheese? No. Actually, Steve Blackman came up with the name. And it was where we had something to do with some vignette we had done backstage. And bringing up the the remark about cheese and then Steve brought it up and kept bringing it up so that the crowd would start chanting head cheese at us so and told me to that would be a tag team name that we could use that I would I should propose it so that it would be funny and that he'd get angry that I was called having us called head cheese oh that I think it's perfect my favorite head cheese moment was the comedy with the old people that was hilarious oh yeah the comedy show yeah Steve doing stand-up in front of the I mean, senior citizens, yeah. What was he like as a, was Steve Blackman a pretty chill person too? Steve's a great guy. He really is. He's just very serious and very down to earth, very no nonsense. And if he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And he doesn't threaten. 
So if he says he's going to beat you up, trust me, he's going to beat you up. His character, so his character kind of represented him a little bit. Yes. Just so you understand, characters on wrestling are not characters. The people that you see in the ring are actually who those people really are. They just turned the volume up on that really, really loud. Used to. Vince McMahon was Vince McMahon, just playing a playing a car- caricature or a cartoon of himself. Steve Austin is really Steve Austin. Undertaker is really Undertaker. That's why they were. Because if they weren't who they really were, then the people, the audience wouldn't feel it and wouldn't believe in it. It wouldn't connect like it does. I hear you, definitely. I mean, I know it's a little cartoony now, still a little bit, but I could see that with Mr. McMahon and Stone Cold, Steve Austin and all of them. Definitely. Sure. Yeah, they really are who they really are. They just take that aspect of that part of their personality and just turn the volume way, way, way up for the audience. Now, I also want to talk to you about one of your friends and see 145 Gain Hardcore with Mick Foley for more information. But how would you describe Mick Foley from your perspective? Uh, Mick's a good friend, and he is a very talented performer, knows psychology very well, knows how to tell a story, seems to be obsessed with me on a completely unhealthy level to the point of almost like it's a sexual proclivity. So sometimes disturbing because of his constant obsession and mentioning of me, but hey, he keeps my name out there and keeps it alive with his obsession. So hey, so it's autism though at the end of the day. It really is autism. It might be. He he could be he could be autistic in regards to me. Hey, his son is he may run down. Yeah, it might. You never know. That you know the apple don't fall too hard from the tree. So he might be some kind of connection with me. I don't know what it is, but in all fairness, we share a great on-air chemistry, you know, on-screen chemistry that works, and we've had a lot of fun together because of it. I bet it seems like it. Not only thing, one thing you said about Tag, you just got to get like a big kiss or something. <laughs> no, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> gotcha. Now, I also want to talk to you about you actually purchased OVW. So what made you to decide to purchase OVW? I don't know. Maybe it was the fact I must have a real mental illness now because I've decided to have decided that I wanted to torture myself. The biggest challenge, the biggest reward, and the biggest rib on myself is that I now am a part owner of a wrestling company and am responsible for a bunch of wrestlers that I constantly want to choke until they crap their pants. So Why do you want to constantly choke them? Wrestlers are very high maintenance and very needy and constantly needing validation and ego stroking and very frustrating. It's very, uh, they're, they're very, very, very high maintenance. I bet. So they're children sometimes. Yeah, they're very high functioning very spoiled, very entitled uh, children. Now, what about the Wrestling Academy? How does that go with your Al Snow Wrestling Academy? What made you decide to open that? Well, I've had a wrestling school for many, many years. Even going back before I went to WWE, I had a school in Ohio and where I grew up in a town called Lima, Ohio. You know, I had students from all over the world that came there and trained. I had a lot of different students that went on to have different levels of success, but all had great careers that went forward with. And Blue Meanies won, Dan Severin, you know, Truth Martini. There are several more that, you know, to that list that have, you know, went overseas and toured and had success. And, you know, I sold it uh, when my responsibilities in WWE became too much. And then you know, uh, got involved in WWE with Tough Enough and the training there. And then I was asked to come to Louisville, Kentucky to be the head developmental trainer here in LBW. And so I've worked with and trained a lot of talent over the years. So the school is just an extension of that. 
you know, just a continuation of it. What was the one thing you decided, like, you wanted to show your students about? Like, what was the number one thing you decided to teach? Or, like, what's the one thing that you try to say, like, you have to do this or you're not going to make it into the wrestling business? A couple things. They all pretty much are the, mean the same. And that is, is that I teach them that they have to be truly honest with themselves as if this is something they really, truly want to do. Because at the end of the day, and this is the truth, it's not just some motivational speech or something like that but the god's honest truth is this is that you can do and be and accomplish absolutely anything you want to be or do or accomplish it's true there are no limits the only limits are the ones you put on yourself and but you you have to be honest and not lie to yourself and ask yourself are you willing to do the thing that others will not do to live a life that others will not live if you're not that's fine it's okay that's there's not any shame in that but at least be honest with yourself because you can do anything you want to do because you'll find a way to do it but if you don't really truly want to do it you'll find an excuse bottom line it really is i mean you don't as you said in the book you don't find excuses you find not find reasons but just don't make excuses do it as you want you can do whatever you want you just got to find a way where there's a will there's a way if there's not the will then there will never be a way Al, we got to hear a word from our sponsors at the Bar on Maryland Ridge, so let's get to that. There is a hidden gem in eastern Greene County, folks. Fowler's Pumpkin Patch and the Barn on Maryland Ridge Wedding Barn. Autism Rocks and Rolls is very proud to tell you about our friends, Perry and Renee Fowler, and their place of business. Both Fowler Pumpkin Patch and the Barn on Maryland Ridge is a relaxing drive approximately 15 minutes from the heart of Bloomington, Indiana, and an hour south of Indianapolis. You can find them at 5347 South Green County Line Road, Bloomington, Indiana, 47403. The property has numerous picture locations including several rolling fields, antique tractors, red and rustic barns, trees, and much more. Customized wedding packages are offered on their website. The surrounding area also provides several hotels in which to have your guests stay for your destination wedding. Also, Fowler's Pumpkin Patch is a family-owned and operated seasonal pumpkin patch. It's the perfect place to take your family for some fall fun. Enjoy picking out pumpkins, hay rides, a corn maze, and a petting zoo. Call the Fowlers today at 812-327-4895 or 812 all right, folks, I'm back and check them out because you'll definitely hear the words I do at the wedding barn. Now, Al, I do want to talk about you actually add the hero to because you saved someone in Destin, Florida, which we actually went to, ironically, a couple of weeks ago for vacation. So what does being a hero really mean to you? Well, it certainly is not me. I'll tell you that. I'm no hero. Okay. I want to make that clear. All right. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time and did something that I would assume that everyone else would do and just lended a hand and was there to help. Thank goodness it worked out, you know, for the best for everyone involved. It got a little hairy, but it was okay. Good. I'm glad everything was okay. Now, I also do want to talk about you, you suffered from depression. So, what does being a person who had depression mean to you? I don't know if I necessarily, I don't know where you heard that. I don't know. I've never been diagnosed with it. I don't think that I necessarily suffer with depression. And, oh, I'm maybe sure on your storyline, on your house. Well, maybe, maybe I, you know, I mean, we all struggle with, there are moments, there are times, I think we all struggle with depression, anxiety, you know, different challenges. I think that we all struggle with those things at different moments, but I don't, I've never been diagnosed with clinical depression per se, you know, so I don't, I couldn't speak on those necessarily those challenges. I have my highs and I have my lows, that's for sure, just like everyone does and have my struggles as well. But I don't think that I've necessarily been diagnosed as being depressed. Uh, I understand. Sure. 
but you've also considered new situations a learning experience. Why do you believe that? I mean, yeah. I agree with you, but why do you believe that from your perspective? I don't, I don't think that there's, I don't necessarily, in my interpretation of life, that there's necessarily good or bad experiences. They're experiences, and they give you enough information to have great stories later on in life. And, you know, uh, Lord knows in my 58 years, I've made plenty of mistakes or took the wrong turn and things didn't quite turn out the way that I thought they would or should. And I've made life a lot more challenging for myself and those around me by doing those types of things. And I think really that's ultimately is what I would consider a mistake is where decisions that have made life more challenging for myself and for those around me, more so because of those around me having to experience those challenges because of something that made. But at the end of the day, some of your best stories are probably ones that you tell your friends where things didn't go quite right, you know, that didn't quite work out the way you thought they were going to go. You know, I encourage people to not feel like they make mistakes, but and not feel like they fail because to be quite honest, like how can you ever fail at life? The only time that I see that you could ever possibly really fail at life is when you stop, when you give up. When you don't keep moving forward, that's the only time that you just totally fail. Other than that, though, no matter how hard or how challenging your life becomes. Right. And I'm curious, though, I'm going to go more in depth with what you said earlier about transforming, like sharing stories that made you learn from experience. Do you have any stories you could share? Oh, tons. I've got plenty. You know, I've got plenty where I have ignored advice and people telling me the stove is hot and I'm like, ah, no, the stove's not hot. And then I just go ahead and stick my hand against it and find out, yeah, my God, it was. And I burnt my hand and, but it didn't kill me and I didn't quit. So I didn't fail. I also want to talk to you about your book. So what made you decide to write a book and what you, the format it is the way it is. Cause I like the format itself when I read it a little bit. Well, thank you. I wanted to do something different. I didn't, I was very reticent about writing a book, very reluctant and took a lot of convincing to finally make me decide to do it and read the one thing that motivated me the most. Um, my friend Bob Holly had written a book and the writer that helped him write the book, Ross Owen Williams, a very talented writer, was able to write the book in such a way that it was in Bob's voice. Me reading Bob's book was like listening to Bob tell those stories directly to me. And I didn't want, even though the publisher insisted, I didn't want a, oh, you know, I was a young boy and I grew up loving wrestling and, you know, in Lyme, Ohio and and all that stuff. I didn't want all that. I wanted it to be each chapter was a different and individual story and a lesson that I learned out of it that, you know, made me who I am today. And we compromised. And I got to tell those stories, but I also still had to do kind of the timeline of, you know, hey, I, you know, I had my first match at WWE and here's what I thought, and, you know, and I didn't want it to be just like that. I wanted it to be more about the experiences and not just in the ring, but stories outside the ring and the interesting people and situations, the comical or literally the absurd or ironic situations that were born out of it that, you know, I took something away from that's good i'm glad you took away from those experiences now these are just for fun mr snow so my first one is what's like your favorite food or your paradise meal why is it your favorite oh that'd have to be an all meat thin crust pizza i love pizza all right man we gotta go out for a nice big meat pizza meaty pizza that's the best right there sausage bacon ham damn right yeah that's it man pepperoni oh and pepperoni 
ground Mommy. beef. Oh, you yeah, name all the turkey, maybe meat even on there. You can't, yeah, whatever bit of meat on there, you can't. Yeah, the better the, the the bigger the meat, the better the pizza, honestly. That's right, you know it. Now, what's like your favorite movie or TV show, and why do you like it? Favorite movie, uh, I love as far as Christmas movies, I love National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, hilarious. And my favorite Christmas movie at all time is A Christmas Story, like without a question or a doubt. I think it's like the penultimate movie, like it's the perfect movie. You're in Ohio, so have you visited the Christmas Story House and the Christmas Story yeah. House? Museum? No, not yet. I'm, that is on the wish list. I'm definitely going to go there. I'm telling you, go. We went and yeah. it was a blast. Was it really? It really was. Yeah. You see half the stuff that the, you see the movie props they have there. And yeah. it looks exactly from the movie. I can't wait. I, I definitely want to go and take some time and, and go through and check the house out. Or here's an idea. Do what McFoley does. Dress up as Santa Claus. <laughs> well, I'm not quite built the same as Mick. So, you know, I wouldn't make, not make a good Santa. You never know, though. It'd be worth a shot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. My beard's getting white enough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so now what's been your favorite vacation that you've ever taken and why'd you enjoy that vacation very much it could be with yourself family your call you want to answer it you no know, i enjoy just traveling i've always enjoyed it and i love going places and you know going to foreign countries to i'm not really a kind of lay on the beach kind of guy i'm more of a let's go out and explore the area type of person that's and me too get, yeah and my family and likes to lay it. down on the beach sometimes i'm like guys can we go somewhere this is stupid, can we go honestly. somewhere can we yes get some kind of have some experience do something there's cool stuff around here you know but sometimes it's good to lay on the beach for a little while and relax and take it all in as i've gotten older i've gotten a more of an appreciation for that but then i need to get up and get going and go someplace or do something me so, too i'm, I'm like yeah. that i mean i can have some beach time but i gotta go out some otherwise yeah. it's gonna go it's not a vacation it's, it's just another staycation just somewhere else yeah i like going to amusement parks i love amusement parks you've been to cedar point and that's one to kill oh yeah i love cedar point cedar point king's island holiday world hershey park i mean i can go down the list of king's dominion in virginia you know i can go down the list of you know disney world disneyland knott's Berry farm i can keep going what was your favorite ride from any amusement park that you went on or been to really probably in holiday world they've got probably one of the best absolute best in the world wooden roller coasters besides the beast in king's island um the voyage and holiday world have got to be it's good to ride up there it's one of our favorites, too. We go there sometimes. We love our voyage. Trust me. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Oh, it is awesome. You get the thrills, definitely. Now, are there any memories that you want to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? Now, before you answer, I'd like a good memory that made you just feel good inside. And a funny man that made you fall on the floor and you can answer this however you wish. It's your call. Boy, those are a bit of a challenge for me because I've, I have some struggles now with all of the head injuries and stuff. It makes it a little more, takes me a minute to remember stuff. Usually somebody has to say something to remind me of and spark a memory. But one of the, you know, a fond memory, of course, personally is when I, my wife and I got married at a castle in Lexington, Kentucky, and it was so much fun. And, you know, she was so beautiful and we had a wonderful time and, you know, watching my kids grow up, probably, you know, all the memories of that kind of stuff, all of them, all of them growing up. I have six of them, so I'm slowly making an army. We're going to, uh, at some point, we got six grandkids, I have six kids. Sooner or later, we're going to make it a, enough of a population that we can go take over a small town in Iowa. So that's the plan. How's that plan going? <laughs> it's going good. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Well, when they, you know, when the other kids start making grandkids too, then we'll just, the army will just keep growing. Then the grandkids will start making kids, and you know, and they'll have great grandkids. It'll be a full, it'll be a full roll of snow. I mean, not like yeah, exactly snow going down, but like, snow, an, like an avalanche, literally like an avalanche. Of literally, snow literally, yeah, just rolling into the city. Yeah, I will better watch out. Better Canada. If we get enough, we're gonna go take over Canada. Now, before we go, we have a real quick question. Can we visit your school sometime? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. You guys are uh, more than welcome to, you know, what I would suggest is, you know, you guys want to come visit, you come visit on a Thursday night because that's when we film TV. We do it live on Fight TV from seven o'clock Eastern time to nine o'clock Eastern time and uh, every Thursday night. And uh, it airs regionally and nationally and internationally as well. Um, on many different outlets, but the one that's easiest for people to access is Fight TV. You can just download the app on their phone and, and then they can watch uh, OPW, uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling for free. And you guys can come and, you know, be my guest. Awesome. Well, and also, I think that's all for us. And thank you very much. Do you have anything you'd like to promote or any closing remarks? Uh, if anybody wants to follow me, they can follow me on social media at The Real Al Snow and uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. You can follow me there. If anybody has any interest in OVW, they could go to ovwrestling.com or they can go to aswa.live, which is the Al Snow Wrestling Academy, and they can get more more information there as well and we will you know if they have any questions they can uh, at those sites and we're always uh looking to grow and go and be bigger and i have a comic book that's coming out that's been out it's called the ballad of al snow and head and it's at brokeniconcomics.com we're about to release a sister comic book to it the adventures of al snow and head and uh chavo guerrero jr is in that book and uh, they can find that again at brokeniconcomics.com. If they want my book that we talked about, the self-help life lessons from the bizarre wrestling career of Al Snow, they can go to amazon.com and they can order it there. And, and then everybody can reach out to me on social media and tell me what they think, if they like it, or if, even if they don't, that's fine too. Thank you, Alan. Have a great one, man. Hey, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. And uh, I really appreciate you giving me the time. <laughs> Thanks for joining for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming in very soon. Hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much. <laughs>